Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here. I'm back from vacation. Yay! Yay! And another quick reminder as always to subscribe. Um, leave us a rating if you would be so kind. Or if you want to... Reach out with any questions, comments, or concerns. Email me, egraney at postmedia.com, or find me on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. Enjoy this week's episode. I'll be catching up with what happened in Alberta because I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney, back from vacation. It was great, just so you know. It is Friday the 13th of July, 2018. <gasps> Friday, Friday the, the 13th. 13th! And this is the by-elections, buses and beer edition. With me today, my fellow Friday It's a superstitious. <laughs> Claire Clancy, how are you, mate? I'm a little bit nervous now. I didn't realize it was Friday the 13th. I'm from an Irish Catholic family, so we tend to take superstition a little seriously. Well, you know, and if, if your house is struck by lightning in the middle of the night, then... True. There was, sorry, for, for those of you who are not here, there was a giant electrical storm early this morning. It yeah. was very exciting. Well, and your mom is really is superstitious. Really superstitious. Yeah, like she cries if she breaks mirrors and... Yeah, God bless yeah, her. I love her. Paula Simons. Good morning, Emma Graney. Welcome back. I, I loved watching the saga of your trip across Canada. It in, was really in my fun. social media feed. Yeah, we um, we became citizens recently, so we drove to Quebec City and back, and it was fun. 8,864 kilometers later... You've seen all of Canada. Well, actually, you know what? I have driven in every province in Canada. Different wow. province and every territory? Province. No, just every province. Well, there you go. Next year's trip. Road trip 2.0. Graham Thompson, how are you? Have you driven in every province and territory? I've been to every province and territory, But have yes. you driven in every province Well, it's hard to drive in Nunavut. Oh, you would say that. I, I drove a snowmobile. <laughs> a snowmobile? That counts. Oh, that counts. Have you, that's a, have you every single one. That's yeah. something. Well done, Graham. What a life you've led. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's time to move on, it's, right? It's, it, I think it's going to all those premiers conferences. That's, uh, that's exactly it. Plus a uh, number of years at the CBC, um, oh. they will send you to small towns oh, there you go. all over the country. Yep. Well, see how it, folks. <laughs> a little bit of a personal <laughs> update on our lives. So we are going to be talking about the by-elections yesterday in Innisfail, Sylvan Lake, and also Fort McMurray-Conklin. So we had two by-elections in Alberta. Not four, despite the <laughs> No, <laughs> despite all the names, there were only two there, yeah. We're going to be talking about the Greyhound buses being suspended. Well, actually cancelled is a better word, all of the routes there, and what this means politically and for Alberta. And also we're going to very briefly touch on the latest development in the beer court. That's what I'm calling it. It's not at all exactly what it's called, but, you know, I'm dubbing it beer court because it sounds like, you know, a fun thing that I could get behind. Let's start with the by-elections. Um, so we had Fort Murray-Conklin. We had Innisfail-Sylvan Lake, Fort Mac, 
uh, was to replace Brian Jean, the former Wild Rose leader who ran for UCP leadership but failed. He was also a former Conservative MP for the region. Layla Goodridge won that one, the UCP, uh, the UCP candidate. She actually helped Gene in his uh, leadership bid. She ran as well um, in a previous election but did not win her seat. She's, what, 30, I think? 31, I think. Yeah. But young. I met her at the UCP convention, actually. She seemed very uh, go get em. And then we had Innisfail Sylvan Lake, which was to replace Don McIntyre, the MLA, who resigned after facing sexual assault charges of a minor. So that was also won by the UCP candidate. Uh, Devin Dreshen. 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 His name's Devin. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a MAGA hat. Yes, he has a Make America Great Again hat. That was a great report by Vice into that. So let's start off, Graham. Were you surprised by the fact that the UCP won both of these seats? No, I was not. <laughs> the thing is, I tried to look at, um, you know, look at the results, of course. I made a joke about they don't um, count the votes in Innisfail, Sylvan Lake. They weigh them. <laughs> over the years, right? Because yeah, and the, the question is, you know, would he get more than 75%, which is sort of the record for the conservatives down there? And he got 80%, I believe, of that vote. And the NDP... 81.76. And it was like, that's like 8,000 votes, and the NDP got fewer than 1,000 yeah, votes. Yeah, she got 9.23, the uh, NDP candidate, Nicole Mooney, who's a teacher and labor organizer. Right, so she finished so far back. You would need a search and rescue helicopter to find her. <laughs> and then you've got... <laughs> Even McMurray. less for the Liberals and the Independent. Oh, I know. They uh, got less than 1% of the vote each. Yeah. And then for McMurray, and the thing is there was this narrative from the UCP that the vote turnout there normally is quite small, and they're afraid the NDP could actually get their vote out and potentially make this a race. And I thought, okay, fine, that makes it a bit more interesting than we thought, but of course... Wishful thinking for those of us who just want interesting. That's, and it was just... <laughs> an, the thing is, um, the UCP candidate, um, Goodrich blew it out like she got almost 3,000 votes again it was a very low turnout like 4,000 voters came out I believe roughly there's 13,000 uh, eligible yeah, she got, registered she got um, she got uh, sorry 65.89% of the vote Layla got and then the NDP candidate, who was actually municipal councillor, Jane Stroud, she got uh, just under 30% right. of the vote. It's like 3,000 votes to yeah, 1,000. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right? I mean, it's, it's, they wanted well, more than that. They wanted to finish yeah. a lot closer to the, than that. It, it was a blowout in, in there as well. And the thing is, the NDP thought, hey, we have a chance. It's a low turnout. Get our people out. Uh, Notley did really well after the, the fire in 2016. People gave her a lot, you know, two thumbs up for that. She's doing a lot of work to try and get pipelines built, at least that the, the one pipeline to the West Coast for the bitumen to get to overseas. They thought we have a chance. Maybe people can rally around that. No, it did not work out at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the UCP walked away with it in um, Port McMurray as well. The Alberta Party ran candidates in both as well, and they both got around two and a half or just over two and a half percent of the vote. Yeah, also not a lot of traction there. I mean, better than the Liberals. I mean, it is certainly... Yes, uh, they were, did do way better That's than the Liberals. That's a campaign slogan. At a certain point, we're just, you know... I don't know what it will take for the liberals to finally admit that they are that they are done. I mean, maybe nothing. Maybe they are like the Monty, the Monty Python knight. They're never, you know, <laughs> exactly. They're, they're never going to admit that it's only a flesh wound. <laughs> Graham, do you think the NDP? What's their response to this going to be? Are they going to say these by elections didn't matter and no, it doesn't say, say anything yeah, about say general this is election? Very safe UCP. Right. Uh, uh, elections, uh, writings rather. Also, you saw last night the um, Jane Stroud, the NDP candidate, was saying, yeah. we gave them a, a good run for their money. Uh, Fort McMurray's a very strong conservative writing. We gave them a good run for their money. No, they really didn't. Yeah. Um, it was not close at all. And I think 
the best they can do now is say, look, you know, yes, by-elections, middle of the summer, um, these are conservative ridings that have been for a long time, so we didn't expect to win them to begin with. I was going to say it's worth noting, too, that the um, advance poll turnout was high as well for both ridings. Not really that... Well, yeah, more so in Fort Mac. Mac. Fort Mac yeah. was up, Conklin, uh, is yeah. up, uh, up in 700 last election to 1,000 this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, you know, I mean, in Innisfail, uh, after the Vice article, which we should back up, up I made a joke about Devin Dreeshen having a MAGA hat, but the, the story that Vice broke was that Dreeshen had actually been campaigning for Trump during the American federal election. We they know. had, and, 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 and he'd made no secret of it, right? I mean, he'd, he'd you know, put it on websites and stuff and written about the experience. Um, and so, you know, I saw people saying, well, you know, this just shows that, you know, loving Trump is no, you know, no impediment to being, vo- yeah. I had response people like, you know, why, why are you not writing about this? Why isn't the journal writing about this? You know, does it really shock one that a rural UCP candidate supports Donald Trump? I did not find that surprising in the least, nor do I think that Dreeshen's huge margin of victory indicates that Albertans love Donald Trump. I think in Innisfail, uh, Dreeshen is the son of an MP. Uh, You know, he's well known in the community. Uh, uh, And it's a conservative place. It's a very conservative place. Which has voted like 75% for the PCs in the past. You know, I mean, I I think if he'd walked around in MAGA pajamas, it wouldn't have made... (laughs) Do they exist? Any, any difference? <laughs> I bet they do. You know, I mean, do, I mean, yeah. Vice Vice had a very funny story about you know asking him questions, and then he excused himself to go to the bathroom and never came back. <laughs> um, Probably climbed out of the window and <laughs> ran away, which you know made him look like even more of an idiot than the picture of him, you know, in uh, the maga hat with in the maga hat with his hand up, up yeah. in an unfortunate, in an unfortunately reminiscent posture. Um, uh, but you know, I, I think. It is always dangerous for journalists to try to read too much into the entrails of by-elections. By-elections are by-elections, and they tend to go to the incumbent party. I mean, it would have been, had the NDP or the Alberta party won either of those seats, it would have been an absolute shocker. Yeah. I mean, that would have been an interesting, yeah, Interesting development. Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) but but this is not an interesting development. You know, I tried to call Devin Drishin, like, I think three times and contacted him on his website. in the bathroom? Well, he never got back to me. Never once. And I'm a delight. Why wouldn't you want to talk to me? You know? Why she's wouldn't you Devin, jump at the chance? Devin, she's a delight. Devin. And if, if you're listening, <laughs> you should get to know her because she's she's just amazing. She's so much fun. <laughs> Hear that, Devin? <laughs> You'll never be able to listen to I you know, come from a land down under in, in the same way if you, after you've seen Emma Grainy lip sync it. <laughs> I do know it. That is my uh, song of choice in karaoke, well, too. Well, just ask Derek Filterbrand just how much of a delight... Emma is. Hey. 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 Listen. Uh, that's actually me giving a, a tip of the hat to you there. Thanks, Graham. There that, she's, t- she's totally delightful. So all all you MLAs, you return Emma's phone calls because that is because not only is it's that's only polite. <laughs> if there's one thing Canadians like, it's being polite. That's what I've learned. That's true. Or going to the bathroom. <laughs> we like that too. And <laughs> never coming out. So actually, speaking of um, kind of weird little subplots to. Not the election, but hey, we're going to lead up to the election. We had a an, a UCP MLA was suspended. Hey? Well, it, careful of the actual wording here because okay. the story is Prab Gill, and he is the deputy party whip for the UCP. Okay, and he has resigned his role as deputy whip. So he's still an MLA. Uh, so he, he he resigned that position because 
the UCP is doing an internal investigation right. into allegations of um, ballot, ballot stuffing. stuffing. I mean, bas- basically, I mean, this is this is like old fashioned. That's quite concerning. This is old fat, old fashioned style allegations of cheating the sort of you know Chicago in the 1930s model of how you <laughs> so right now what's happening you've got you know a lot of writings are are being formed again because of the boundary changes yep so you get local associations are, are forming themselves plus you get all the different nomination and the UCP meetings. as well as trying to like get its constituency yeah. Association so, so yeah so what happened it was out I'm reading here from a story from the Herald Allegations of ballot stuffing and improper handling of votes at the founding annual general meeting of the UCP's Calgary Northeast Constituency Association have been circulating online since the video was posted June 30th. And uh, they've got the retired Judge Ted Carruthers, who served as president of the PC uh, party. Yeah, doing his own internal review. Has been engaged to conduct an independent review. Independent, of course, the thing is, it's not... It's independent. This is, this is a party doing its own investigation. Yeah. So this is something that it does speak to a lot of finger-pointing going on at these writing association meetings, the nomination meetings, a oh, lot of people yeah. pointing fingers saying this is This isn't even the nomination no, meeting, right? This that, is just that to be... The founding, a founding meeting. This is just to be like, who's on the executive yeah. of the yes. writing association? Good grief. And that, then, you'll, then you'll, cause you have a lot of <laughs> finger-pointing when it comes to the actual nomination yeah. Uh, oh God. Candidates. Because That's been getting mental. Because what's happening <laughs> here? Of course, you go back to the old PC uh, days when they were majority government. Um, the big, big race back then was a nomination for the PC party. If you get the nomination in rural ridings, you were sure to become the next MLA. Yeah. We're seeing the um, same kind of thing happen with the UCP now. People are convinced if you get the UCP nomination you will win the so, next election. So if you're the UCP, what you try to do is to spin all these allegations of corruption in your party is to say, see, this is just proof that people want to be members of the UCP and they want to vote for the UCP. See, this just proves what a great and well-organized party we are, um, which is, you know, an interesting way to spin the fact that they keep having problems with people in their party unable to follow basic democratic protocols and rules. The thing is, on a twisted way, you're right. It does show <laughs> the fact that they're, they're so desperate to get the nominations that, you know, they'll do whatever it takes to get the nomination because they're convinced that is the, the, the road to electoral and victory. The, and those are certainly the people you want governing your province. Always being <laughs> negative. There we go. The thing, right, the, the NDP are saying, yes, this is just showing the UCP as a party out for power, power, power. And yeah, in a, in a way, well, that's sort of true, isn't it? Um, parties are out for power. And uh, the UCP thinks they're going to win the next election. Of course, the public opinion polls are showing that. The by-election results, you can say they're meaningless because they tend to go against the government, by-elections, that is. Um, it does sort of show, though, that the NDP has got its back to the wall for sure next election. Well, and this isn't, it's not the only riding in which that's happened, right? Because remember, Leela Rahia, there was that kerfuffle in her oh, riding yeah, and she was... very was, ugly. And then some guy's suing her and, she, and there's some kind of thing with a, what do you call it, a... Restraining order. A restraining order. Which, which, which was actually dropped yeah. before they actually went to court to get that done. Like, it's just... Several and like months people, out from the election, things are getting yeah, super messy. And in Angela yeah. Pitts as well, like yep. people taping cell phone conversations and leaking things and saying that harassment and saying this, yeah. saying that. It's, it's been just crazy. It's very high school. And it's going to ramp very up probably even more. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, this is how, this is how like, you know, it, it's it's like that great Reese Witherspoon movie election. I mean, it's, it's just that kind <laughs> of level of petty, immature chicanery that is... Chicanery. That's right. I love that. But it's that not word. happening to any other party. Yep. 
So, you know, I guess maybe... Which means they're all wonderful, or the fact or that the no, no, one's no, one, no one's running for the nomination. So there's no <laughs> contest for nominations. Yeah, that's also not a good sign. Yeah. Meantime, your premier has been curating a social media feed. Well, not her. I'm sure she has people who curate that. You know, uh, our colleague at the Calgary Herald, Don Braid, had a column that was headlined, you know, something like, would Rachel Notley wrestle a bear to win a Calgary vote? And it, it, I don't think I've ever seen anybody stampede so hard in my whole life. <laughs> been zip lining and whitewater canoeing and horseback riding and eating so, all of the mini donuts. There's so many <laughs> pictures of her looking, looking um athletic and active and kissing babies and, you know, riding rides. and um you know, I have not seen nearly as much evidence of Jason Kenney out stampeding. Uh, I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, like if if you were someone who came here from another planet and you looked at the way Notley's social media feed has been covering her time at the Stampede, you would think, well, this is a candidate who is going to win lots of votes in Calgary. I don't think that that is likely to be true. But my God, she's she's given it her all. I don't know if Jason Kenny rides a horse, though, does he? Because when I was out on the road with him when he first came, he went to go feed a horse, and they were worried it would bite him. <laughs> was it and an they said, horse? You, you, no, no, she you said... You've got to be careful with horses. Yeah, cannot, you've uh, got to make... Flat their, hand. Yeah, flat you have to... Hand. And exactly. And yes. he, he kind of had yeah. his fingers up a little bit, and, yeah, they, and, and so the owner was like, oh, careful. And then his staffer was like, oh, careful, Mr. Kenny, um, just flat hand. We don't have time to take you to the hospital. Yeah, the horse's name was Babe. Yeah, so I mean, you know, that's a pig's name. <laughs> I mean, not not least not least team is certainly trying to construct a narrative of her as uh, rural Alberta roots, and here she is, you know, loving the people, and there are pictures of her, you know, surrounded by happy, happy folk. Uh, it's it's a fascinating constructed narrative, which I don't think is really going to cut much. I think it'll work ice. in the sense, I think people, people like her. Like they yeah. will like her. They'll say she's a really good person as they go vote for somebody else. Yeah. This is the problem they're going to have. Is that, yeah, she's very likable. Um, people don't seem to like Jason Kenney. He's not as likable as, as um, Rachel Notley. And the polls are showing, generally speaking, that um, Kenney is less popular than the party overall, and, and whereas Notley's more popular than her party. People like her a lot, but it's not going to save the party just based on what she can do or, or, or her riding a horse or a zip line. Speaking of riding horses, maybe that's a good solution to our next problem, in which Greyhound has been completely cancelled. All the routes in what, like... Uh, Western, Western Canada. Canada. Western Canada. The only Western Canadian route they're going to have is between Vancouver and Seattle. And it's US run. Yeah. yeah. Solid. So what does this mean for Alberta? Well, I mean, this is terrible news for people in rural Alberta because people rely on Greyhound not only for transportation, but also, I mean, they do a huge parcel business. So, you know, we're, we're hearing from all kinds of companies who say, you know, this is how I get the parts for my machines. This is how I get the medicine for my child. This is how... You know, it, it's, it's a real indictment of Canada Post Service that so many people are relying on Greyhound, to not not just for transportation, but to to take stuff from one place to another. Clancy, you wrote about this, right? Yeah, so the government has come out and said that they're going to try to call on federal counterparts to try to create some kind of solution to this because, as Paula said, it's um, it results in 107 communities in Alberta losing their bus service. Um, and it, I mean, it, a smaller amount, but there's 75 people losing their jobs as well in Alberta because of this. But it's, um, but you know, it's concerning for people who use it to access healthcare. 
um, to get to medical appointments, use it to connect with their families that are a long way away, um, and for employment on like a weekly basis. So um, Brian Mason, transportation minister, he said, you know, we're working for a solution to this. We don't know what that will look like or what the um, provincial government's going to try to do. Um, Rachel Notley is going to the premier's meeting in New Brunswick next week. And so she said she's going to raise this as an issue there. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, it's bad news because uh, it's kind of the way that a lot of communities connect with each other. So um, definitely the provincial government's not happy about this. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, sorry, I was talking to people about this. I might do a column on this for tomorrow. Um, just some of the solutions. It's interesting. People looking at solutions, you've got the federal NDP leader talking about government getting involved, like maybe some sort of, it sounds like financial aid to Greyhound. You have other people <laughs> saying, no, this is a really bad idea. A um, bad idea. <laughs> uh, others I've talked to talking about um, how there's a lot of buses in small towns that aren't being used. Like they're, they're, they're bought through grants for various clubs and associations that sit there most times empty. It's a way of, of utilizing them. There's all different, different solutions. The thing is, though, this is just part of living in Canada. You know, it's a big country with very sparse population. And over the years, it, th- this may mean, I imagine, in five or ten years, we'll see the autonomous driving vehicles might solve this problem. But the, the problem is immediately, what do you do in the next uh, year or so if you're in small-town Alberta? It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Red Arrow uh, already runs buses on the major, you know, Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer, Fort McMurray runs. They have a a discount line, the e-bus, whether they're going to be able to expand into that, whether parcel companies like Canpar are going to, you know, or UPS are going to pick up some of the slack from the parcel post that uh, uh, Greyhound used to do. So, you know, not that I think, not that I'm naive to think the market will solve everything, but I think the market will solve a fair bit of this. And I think more subsidies to Greyhound, I mean, certainly we're also hearing from people who say, hey, the reason I stopped riding Greyhound is because the service was terrible. So, you know, uh, it, it becomes this thing. You, you, you can't bail out a company that has behaved, you know, poorly to people. Certainly in Edmonton, ever since they moved their station to someplace that yeah. is virtually inaccessible. But And it seems so unlikely that, like, other companies like Red Arrow would pick up the slack. Like, that's not realistic, I think, no, either. No, I mean, it'll, it'll be fine for the, like, for the big routes, yeah. but th- the problem isn't getting from Edmonton to Calgary or from Edmonton to Fort McMurray. The problem is getting from, you know, from Whitecourt or Peace River or getting from here to Lloydminster. Uh, it's... I mean, I mean, those are those are the bigger problems. And companies aren't going to do it out of the good of their heart. I mean, it has to be economically viable for them to even consider it. And that's the same with UPS and Canbar as well. Like, they're not just going to go, oh no, no one can get their packages. Oh, we're good people. We'd better we'd better get on that. No, they're not going to do that. So, I mean, there's the question. So, in Saskatchewan, now you guys, you Saskatchewanians, yep. know this better than I do. They used to have a provincial bus service. They did, which went away. Yeah, Brad Wall's uh, government cut that. Bye-bye. So, you know, I don't know if that's a viable model. Certainly, though, it's something that Notley has to deal with because I'm already seeing people on Twitter saying, well, this is all the fault of the NDP government. Really? You you realize they canceled service for all of Western Canada. I don't think that's Rachel Notley's fault. And it also sounded like the government had little to no warning that this was happening, so they didn't have a chance to come up with a strategy. But about a decade or so ago, Greyhound was threatening similar Things because it saw a decline ten years yeah. ago, and that was I think it was headed off. I think Stelmac, I got to check on this, did, did a few things, helped them out, but the issue was they knew it was coming. It was a surprise that happened so quickly, 
but they've known for a, for a while that Greyhound, the service wasn't very good. People weren't using it, and it was slowly dying. And now, of course, we're all in a panic in a sense. So now we're actually focused on this issue. And the question is, is it up to the private sector or is it up to government? Is, is it a right to expect to get transportation from a small center to a large center? Is, is, is public transportation, in a sense, a right in our society. Or like a public utility. Exactly. Or is it a cost of living if you um, live in an area? I think, I think Notley used the term, the word right, when it came to this. And you mentioned um, Canada Post. You know, that's something that, you know, people, like, we, Canada Post subsidizes delivery of mail to, to Nunavut, or, you know, or Calloway or whatever. Um, now, then do we have to then subsidize public transportation to these small areas if they start drawing up with the, the private sector? Good question, Graham. There we go. And we'll see, I guess, what comes out of the Premier's conference. I'm assuming that uh, the Western Premiers will all come up with a plan or an ask for the federal government. It would be nice to see all of the Western Premiers actually make common cause about something. They, they sort of need a thing to rally around. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Newfoundland, actually, there used to be a bus that ran from St. Anthony, where I used to live on the very northernmost tip of the peninsula, and where the... Um, airport was. It's like the Viking Express or something. The problem was some people had written about it on the internet, but then it shuttered and no one had done, I guess, an update. So we'd get cyclists like kind of coming up the Northern Peninsula or hitchhikers, and then they'd expect that they could just get the bus because they'd read about it on the internet somewhere. And they used to stand across from our newsroom and be like, we just kind of watch for them. And they'd be like, I don't know, where'd the bus go? One time, Yuri, my husband was there and he went out and he said, what are you... um?" You all standing okay? here why, for why? Like, what's up? And he's like, "I'm waiting for the bus." And Yuri's like, "Oh, mate, there's no bus. You'll be <laughs> so waiting a long time." Right. And the guy's like, "Oh no, I've got my flight in, from Red Deer. Oh, not Red Deer, from Deer Lake, and I have to blah blah blah." So Yuri went and found him a ride with a lorry driver that we knew, and like a truck driver who made a couple of calls. And then old mate. Isn't that adorable lift. when she says lorry driver? <laughs> See, Devin, you should phone her. She's so cute. <laughs> Okay, let's move on now to the most recent beer court. She'll, she'll put things in your boot. It'll be. <laughs> she can ride the lift. I can't help my different way of talking. I'm foreign. Um, <laughs> let's talk. Let's move to the most recent edition of Beer Court. Clancy, give us an update. Sure. So Alberta government is appealing um, the decision last month by the Court of Queen's Bench to find the beer markup regime unconstitutional. Um, It's kind of the latest move in this long, drawn-out saga about Alberta beer. So what this means is that, um, you know, the court, it's a courtroom ruling against the Alberta government said, you know, your regime is not, is uh, not fair to across provinces with the 125 markup plus the grant program that was introduced shortly thereafter. Um, and now the Alberta government obviously wants to challenge that. Um, not a surprise. Uh, Minister Joe C.C. had said that uh, that he, you know, stood behind um, growing Alberta craft beer. That's kind of the line he's taken. Uh, so I guess, yeah, we'll go to court again. <laughs> what else is there to say? <laughs> it's funny how much of a how much of a kerfuffle the beer markup change cause well, like it has just been thing after thing and even like this morning when we were um you know chatting about talking about this on the podcast i was looking up like i just wanted to double check it was the same court decision because yeah. there have been so many court decisions <laughs> around this you know which one are you so appealing? i wanted to make sure that i knew exactly which one it was and it is the one from last month it, it's like the pipeline it's like oh, i can't keep track there are so many court <laughs> cases on yeah. who can keep track um graham do you reckon this is going to go anywhere 
Do you think people care? I think it's just them trying to delay the inevitable. Like push, push it off, push it off, push it off, as opposed to admit defeat. Keep on going. Keep it pushing till 2019. Just like the liberals. <laughs> just keep, yeah, never admit How long defeat. can you push a, That's just it. I don't know. a ruling? Uh, uh, and of course... That, you know, There's only a finite amount of appeals well, that you can I think you execute. Keep, you keep doing it till next next year. You know, if you can do it till 2019. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean the Court of Appeal will agree to hear it. I mean, I think they probably will, but it's at the court's discretion to decide whether they think there's an issue of law that needs, you know, that there was an error in law made by the by the judge. Is this, is this a worthy uh, thing to relitigate? And then hypothetically, it could be appealed to the Supreme Court, which will have, then have to make the same determination. So. And then, as Emma says, then you've then you've reached the end of the pier. But the um, that's true. You can't go to the House of Lords in London no, anymore. That's <laughs> um, the thing is, this is Alberta. The government, the frustration they have about other provinces, and we've talked about this before. Um, they, of course, all have a monopoly on importing beer and alcohol, whatever. Other provinces, though, also like Ontario, run the liquor stores and the, the beer stores, and they can determine what products come from which provinces. So they can put up, in a sense, an invisible trade barrier by saying, we're going to import only X amount from Alberta, whereas in Alberta, even though the government has a monopoly in importation, it listens to all the privatized beer stores or whatever, liquor stores, and they determine what they want. So you have this imbalance where we we got a lot of choice in Alberta from other jurisdictions, whereas other jurisdictions don't get a lot of choice in terms of the beer, especially coming from Alberta. Fun fact, on our way across Canada, we were in Manitoba and we went to a place called The Farmery just outside of Winnipeg and they it's a really cool project. Like they grow their own hops and like all their own stuff and make their own beer. It's really, really cool. And they have some amazing, one of the best porters I've ever tasted. It was so good. And I was chatting to the, you know, the woman at the at the brewery and saying, oh, you know, I guess you can get this only in Manitoba. And she's like, you know what, actually, mainly just here. And I'm like, what? And she said, yeah, even Manitoba liquor stores, even though they're a Manitoba brewery that grows their own stuff and does this whole farm-to-beer push, they're having trouble getting the government to let their products on the shelf despite the fact that they're from Manitoba. And she said it's easier sometimes to get it in Alberta than it is to get it on Manitoba government liquor stores. How nuts is that? So now, Devin, if you call Emma back, she will take you out for a beer and you can try this really super good Manitoba beer that you can get in Alberta because of our more liberal uh, trade policies on beer. And um, then you'll have a reason to go to the bathroom because you'll have drunk all the good porter. That's <laughs> no, mine. You can't have it, Devin. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's move over to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things we have read or seen or listened to lately that we think you, dear listeners, might also enjoy. Clancy, do you want to kick us off, mate? Sure. I'm going to recommend a podcast <laughs> that, oh. uh, um, that is really fantastic, and I binged listened to it last week. Um, it's called My Aryan Princess, and it's this really, okay. <laughs> really intense uh, podcast about the um, Aryan Texas Brotherhood and uh, basically how they've become this very, um, a very lucrative criminal organization, and then the attempts from um, police organizations to uh, to basically end in their downfall. What's really fascinating about it is it follows this woman who calls herself the Aryan Princess who's a secret informant for the police and it's about her experiences in the Brotherhood and then kind of her realization that she wanted to try to help bring them down. It's super fascinating. It's six episodes and yeah, I really recommend it. Nice. Paula? 
I too have been listening to podcasts, and I'm going to recommend uh, a new one I discovered hosted by Chris Hayes, who does All In on MSNBC. It's called Why Is This Happening? Uh, last week's one uh, was an in-depth interview with a woman who spent seven years researching a book about fracking in Pennsylvania and the impact of fracking on Pennsylvania and rural culture. Uh, it was just a fascinating piece. Uh, this week's was about the American culture of electing DAs and what it does to your criminal justice system when the DAs are competing to see who can be the toughest on crime. Uh, so I'm finding them really interesting. You know, sometimes on Hayes' television show, it's all Trump all the time, and you just it's, – it's too much Trump. So it's fascinating on the podcast that he's exploring other issues that are really critical to the American political debate right now that are not all about people in MAGA hats, Devin. <laughs> I am going to recommend a piece uh, on ABC News. That's ABC in Australia, ABC. Um, it is a really, really interesting read. It's about the Mata Festival, which is a Moroccan uh, horse festival, I suppose. It's this crazy kind of sport that um, men do on horseback, and they used to compete for a bride. But there's a woman competing, and there's only ever one who's ever competed, um, and now she's taking the field against these guys. And about the stigma she faced growing up and riding horse and the police tried to like make her stop riding horses because they saw it as completely inappropriate and not something that a girl should do she's like screw you guys I'm going to keep riding horses kind of thing some of the men are really against the fact that she's playing this thing because they said that they see it as kind of an extension of manhood or something along those lines and she's like whatever they all just want me on their team because I'm awesome uh, so it's a really interesting look at her and her profiling her and why she's doing this sport and the sport itself which I'd never heard of before but it's super interesting it was kind of brought across from the Mongols and then it kind of merged with African culture. It was really, really cool. Is it horse racing? It's kind of like, um, it looks, it, it's like a racing cross with polo crossed with something else. Cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, interesting read. Not something I'd ever heard of before. Is it a ball they use? Or a, no, I don't think so. Like some of the games they use like a sheep's head, right, don't they? You know, it actually developed Mongol, from yeah. um, putting a sheep, a lamb's corpse into a goal. There we go. So, there that, you go. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, Graham, what do you have for us? This is a tough act to follow. <laughs> um, Sorry, are you going to get on a horse and just ride up and down around here? Again? Yeah. Uh, twice in one day. Zipline, um, zipline. Exactly. Yeah, zipline to pipelines. Um, no, mine's not a mine's not a podcast. I'm doing my, hopefully, uh, museum of the week. Last week I was talking about the Alberta Aviation Museum, the one downtown. So I haven't been there in 20 years, and it's really quite nice. Um, the Reynolds Museum. I took the motorbike out for a trip on a Sunday to the Reynolds, Reynolds Museum in Wetaskiwin. It's it's really cool. I haven't been there in about a decade, but it's really. Well, I think Paul would appreciate the history. Um, it has, of course, cars, motorbikes, airplanes, um, and, it, and they always renew it. They have different um, uh, exhibits, and it really is cool seeing the history of Alberta, both military and civilian, told through the exhibits there on cars, motorbikes, and uh, airplanes. It's really, it's definitely worth a day trip from Edmonton Very to cool. the Reynolds Museum. My second recommendation is everyone should drive to Quebec City and Google all the small towns along the way because you'll learn a lot about Canada. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me, Clancy. Sorry, Claire Clancy, Paula <laughs> Simons, Graham Thompson. I appreciate you all being here again this week. And again, um, do make sure you subscribe to our podcast and you get all the latest episodes right to your device. And we'll be back again this time next week for more political-related fun on The Press Gallery.